Yes, yes, yes. Good evening, everybody. I hope you're doing well. It is the Steph Von Molyneux coming to you Wednesday night on the 2nd of June, 2021. Still a science fiction year to me because I'm that old. Hope you guys are doing well this evening. And I got me a little rant. I got me a little rant that's going to go down in the annals of philosophical history. And you get to be available to see it. You get to see it live. You can tell your great-grandkids you were there for one of the most epic rants in the history of philosophy combined with, combined with, The greatest call-in show in human history as well. There's a vaccine telephone town hall for Torontonians right now. Doesn't it seem like all roads lead to vaccine? Doesn't it seem like... Uh, it seems like the vaccine is kind of the purpose of everything. And uh, I suppose I will take this off to mention that... Uh, yeah. Oh, the OnlyFans thing. Uh, still coming along. Still working on it. But... Uh, we are, we're crossing over, my friends. Going to see if I'm too spicy for OnlyFans. <laughs> Could be the case. Could be the case. That's right. There's a new gift for everyone. <gasps> there we go. Sexy. That is correct. This is how it's going to roll, my friends. <laughs> they found Fauci's emails? Yeah, well, of course they found Fauci. Well, no, they're freedom of information emails, right? Ugh, that's right. You can count those chest hairs, baby. <laughs> too, spicy, too spicy for OnlyFans, that's right. Because you can insert a cucumber into your armpit, armpit and you're totally fine, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, we need a new staff topless dancing gift, don't we? Oh, he's shirtless. Do we lift a lot? Um, no, I wouldn't say I lift a lot, but a couple of times a week. Um, maybe three hours a week. Nothing major. No, I have a, I bought a secondhand little weight, you know, the pulley weight thing, and I have a couple of free weights, and I do a bike machine, so yeah, probably five, six hours of exercise a week, other than just going for walks with my wife and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, it's a nice sweater, right? And look at that, how do you like my home trim? We're back to the Middle Ages, man. <laughs> well, actually, I'm stuck in the Middle Ages as far as age goes, but uh, yeah. So how are you guys doing tonight? How are you guys doing tonight? Uh, hedgies are fact. <laughs> Is that right? Can I come on and talk about the carnivore diet? Uh, maybe. Maybe. Five to six hours of lifting is a lot, in your opinion? Yeah. Well, no, no, sorry. That's not just lifting. That's also, um, I have a stationary bike machine that I do. And, well, I guess also, so I, I'm about 25,000 words into the book on peaceful parenting. And my writing setup is on a pretty fast treadmill at a steep angle. So I guess uh, not quite not quite jogging, of course, but uh, yeah. You ended it with your girlfriend? Oh, sorry. Can we have a cooking show? Um, yeah. Let's see here. Staying in shape is important. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. More curls for the girls, more plates for the dates. Nice. Can I come on and talk about my ebook on Bitcoin? Yeah, just... Send uh, operations at freedomain.com to shoot me an email, and we'll go there. Okay, Steph, here I am. So sorry I'm late. Now you can go back and repeat what you just said for everyone else. Okay, so, you know, 
We'll start at podcast one. Hi. <laughs> Stefan Molyneux. I'll be reading my article from lourockwell.com called The State of Society, An Examination of Alternatives. That was my entree into this. So, yeah, we'll start. We'll just run through. I only got about 5,000 or so to go. Mm. Freedomain.locals.com. You can check out. I've republished my epic but semi-lost inter- uh, documentary on Hong Kong. You didn't tell us you were a karaoke god before. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I uh, I posted um, an old recording I had back when you could do karaoke of me doing uh, Boots of Hearts by The Tragically Hip. I would say not too bad. A couple of songs I can do pretty well. Superstition by Stevie Wonder. I can do pretty well. Unchained Melody, not bad. Some hip, not bad. A uh, little bit of The Doors here and there. People are strange. Uh, nipples are lookalikes. Well, you want them to look like each other, don't you? You don't want one looking left, one looking right. A tragically hip fan. So as far as the tragically hip goes, I think that they are, of all the bands I've ever heard, they are the band that has both the greatest and the worst songs. Like there's nothing in the middle for the tragically hip. Uh, music at work blows, sucks like a vacuum cleaner stuck in auto reverse. And... Yet some of their other songs, Long Time Running, fantastic song. Drop a caribou, tell on you. Uh, that's really great. And what else? Locked in the Trunk of a Car, fantastic song. And oh, oh. Sundown in the Paris of the Prairies. Wheat kings of all our treasures berry. Oh, it's a great song. Um, uh, that's uh, the the walls are lined all yellow, gray, and sinister, hung with parents, hung with pictures of our parents' prime minister. Ah, great song, Wheat Kings. Oh, unbelievably great song. No one's interested in something you didn't do. So, uh, yeah. Uh, um, also, I love uh, Thirty Eight Years Old. Never kissed a girl. Also a great song. Not such a big fan of Ahead by a Century. And uh, Colonel Tom, what's wrong? What's going on? Can't find yourself. Up to the deal. Uh, New Orleans is Sinking. Yeah, also a great song. Also a great song. Duran Duran and Depeche Mode are great. Some of the songs are pretty communist. Uh, I saw Depeche Mode, actually. Not a bad band to see live. I never saw Duran Duran, though. But uh, I thought they were okay. I only really like... So Duran Duran, their newest stuff, I like. They were a bit overplayed when I was a teenager. Um, So uh, Wild Boy is a pretty good song, although he strains his vocals like crazy on that. And um, Come Undone is a great song. Uh, also, that's a newer one, I guess. So, yeah, Depeche Mode, master and servant. Um, yeah, I like Depeche Mode. Uh, I like Depeche Mode. Uh, Just Can't Get Enough was a great dance song when I was a teenager. I used to sneak into nightclubs uh, to go dancing uh, all night when I was like 15, 16 years old because they had a pretty high forehead and all of that. And um, yeah, I loved it. I just loved going dancing all night, and uh, Depeche Mode was pretty big back then. I loved dancing to, um, oh, um, so Talking Heads, boom, 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 watch out, you might get what you're after, cool babies, strange but not a stranger, Burning Down the House was a great dance song back in the day, and uh, I loved me a good Billy Idol dancing, uh, by, dancing by myself. Uh, it was also a great, uh, great dance song and uh, oh, just great stuff. Anyway, so dancing stream is next. Oh, yeah, baby. Give us a quick dance, Steph. We want to see your moves. I will not do that. Uh, 
<laughs> you really, dancing without music just looks like an epileptic attack. I had some moves. I will tell you that. I'm a pretty good dancer. All that practice. All that practice. OnlyFans subscribers get Steph singing and dancing at the same time. 80s had some pretty great music. Had some pretty great music for sure. Lots of, lots of variety in the 80s music. Big country. Guy killed himself, didn't he? Oh, Lord, where did that feeling go? Oh, Lord, I never felt so low. Yeah, that guy, the guy for Big Country, I think he killed himself, had a huge depression. Boy, you want to hear something great. The Bronsky Beat had a song called Small Town Boy. The song, the main version, is not that great. There's an extended version where he does an a cappella introduction. And uh, leave in the morning with everything you own in a little black case. Uh, but he does it falsetto. He's got a killer falsetto. And you can listen to that on YouTube. Uh, it's Small Town Boy Extended. And the beginning part is fantastic. Also, uh, just by the by, I'm, I'm, I, I like music when I'm writing that's not too vocal intensive. And so, you know, Shine On You Crazy Diamond, stuff like that, where there's really not that much uh, vocals. But what I've been listening to a lot while I work on peaceful parenting is uh, Enigma's Return to Innocence, but the extended version. And, uh, uh, oh, big Bowie fan. I saw Bowie, actually. You ever published a video of a play where you acted? No, back in my acting days, you didn't really, it was really like a big deal to get acting done. So, uh, Why does music suck now? IQ has fallen, and also because you have a worldwide audience, you have to have the lowest common denominator. It's why you don't get complex language movies really much anymore because you have to have it play in China and India. That's where they get their worldwide profits. So you got to water everything down to be CGI and, and bullshit. So uh, let's see. I did see Bowie live too, actually. It was not that great a show. It was not that on his Serious Moonlight tour. Uh, he was not that. Uh, I had a UFO encounter at age 14 and would like to be able to process the event with you sometime. Would you be open to this? I would not. No, I'm not going to do UFO stuff. Meditation is wonderful. So the UFO stuff, okay, this is prior to the rant. UFOs are back in the news because they want to redirect, repurpose the word alien from illegal to interplanetary or interstellar. Okay, there's, there's no, no space aliens. Uh, there's no space aliens around. Okay, <laughs> have you ever written any music? Yeah, I wrote a couple of songs when I was a teenager. So think of the age of the universe and think how little civilizations would have to say to each other if they're 200 years apart, right? 2021, go back to 1821, what would we really have to say to each other? And that's 200 years proximity out of a slice and dice of 14 billion plus years. The odds of any alien, any space creature being within a million years of our evolutionary happenstance are so unbelievably tiny you know like in in star trek or in most space movies they're like every civilization is roughly at the same level of technology and they do that so they can have these plausible battles and stuff so you think of the age of the universe and of course you know there was a certain amount of time where the universe was cooling and and you you, you had to have planets forming and so on and then life evolved a couple of billion years so a billion of course is a thousand million life is what three or four billion years old. So just think, what are the odds that you're going to be within 100 or 200, or even 500 years of the development of any alien being? 
So I think we'll go and we'll find life and it'll be like single-celled organisms. It might be some primitive stuff, could be a couple of fish and so on, or there'll be some super-duper massively advanced society which will come and save us from our own governments because the only way they're ever going to visit us is uh, if they have a free market, private property, anarcho-capitalist society. It'll, they'll never, they never will come any um, space aliens on military vessels from the government because the government screws up everything and destroys everything. So there's no way they're going to end up with interstellar travel from that. So, can you? How do you explain Lori Lightfoot, Steph? She's clearly not human. <laughs> well, she's um, she's um. <laughs> She's woke in the streets and oppressed in the sheets, right? Doesn't she complains all about white people, but doesn't she, like most, like AOC, like a bunch of other people, doesn't she have a white girlfriend, Lori Lightfoot? So it's all just a bunch of nonsense, right? All right. Space aliens wouldn't traverse the universe to study a few humans. They would come for resources. No, they wouldn't. No, they wouldn't. They're not coming for resources because if you have the capacity to break sea, right, to travel past the speed of light in some tachyon manner, then you've already solved the problem of resources. So, no. And, and why would they come for resources? There are resources everywhere in the universe, right? I mean, if they want any of the minerals or anything like that, you can get them from asteroid fields all over the place. They're, they're not coming to Earth for that. They would come to save us. They would come from save it, to save us. So, hey, so how you doing? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to see you guys this evening. All right. Hit me with a Y if you're ready for a rant. Hit me with a Y. If you're ready for anal probing, I hear. Yeah, so the people who genuinely believe that they got taken up and anally probed by space aliens are just having flashbacks to pedophiles from their childhood. All right. Okay, here we go, brothers and sisters. Let's get it on. Rant on, you crazy diamond. All right. So here's the thing. One thing that really bothers me and has for quite some time is how much people complain about the government lying to them. Ooh, the government just lies and misrepresents and propagandizes everyone and everything and everything the government has that is stolen and everything that it says is a lie, to quote our good old crazy from syphilis friend Friedrich Nietzsche. But that's really annoying and it's really terrible and it's really, really, really playing the victim because here's the problem. The problem is not that the government lies to us. That is a mere shadow cast by the fact that we lie to the government all the time and we lie to each other all the time. Everyone looks at this big cathedral of falsehood called the government and says, that's the problem. No, you want to know who the problem is, what the problem is. It's you and me lying to each other and lying to the government. Lying to the government. And all we do is we focus on, oh, the victimhood, oh my gosh, it's so terrible how much they lie to us, how much they lie. No, 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 no. They only get to lie to us because we lie to them first. They only get to lie to us because we lie to them first. And I'm all about giving ownership and maximum responsibility to everyone, which means stop rolling over like you're some victim of government falsehoods and propaganda and all you're doing is lying to everyone else around you. Now, I'm saying this to the general population, probably a little bit less with regards to this audience. But for the most part, my God, can you imagine how repulsive and revolting it is to be a politician, to be lied to all the time, 
people saying, oh, we, we care about universal health care and we care about the health of people. And so you've got to have socialist health care. You've got to have single payer because there are, there are people who are sick and they're unwell. And, and, and we just bullshit. Lies, 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 lies. You want free shit. You just want free. You want to enslave doctors and you want free health care because you're too fucking lazy to take care of your own health. That's what you want. But, oh, no, it's all about the poor. we got to help the poor. There are people who need help. And need help. Bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Do you know, it, it is practically impossible, impossible for a country to get as fat as America is if people care about the health care of others. If Americans cared about each other's health care so much, what they would do is they'd notice auntie getting fat on churros and they'd say, hey, auntie, put down the churros. Come for a walk with me. Let's talk about your health. Let's cook better. Let's eat better. Let's exercise more because I care about everybody's health so much. But if you don't care about auntie whale blubber behinds gaining girth, then what the hell? You, the, the lies. Care about other people's health? Barely care about your own health in America. What is it, 60% of people are obese now? And do you know how they got obese? They got obese, A, eating too much and not exercising enough, and B, because nobody told them how fat they were getting. Nobody intervened. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. Nobody said, oh, hey, you know, we all sit on this side of the park bench and it rolls over like a badly driven Jeep. So maybe we should cut back. Maybe we should fix things. Maybe should we deal with things? No. Nobody deals with that. Everybody just lies. Oh, we care so much about other people's health. You know, your own mother is morbidly obese and is going to be really, really sick. Especially with COVID, right? Obese plus COVID is super spreader sprayer. But you won't confront your mom. You won't confront your brother. You won't confront your daughter. You won't confront your wife. You won't confront yourself over gaining weight and being pathologically inert. Stuck on a couch, eating, not exercising. But the politicians, see, if we had honest politicians and people said, well, we care about the poor, we care about, we care about the health of everyone, it's like, okay, then why are you all so fat? Why are you all so fat? You all not confronting each other on eating too much and not exercising? Is that, is that like we're going to pretend that we care about some abstract poor people's health, but you don't actually care about the health of people in your immediate family, your immediate environment, your immediate circumstances? You don't care about the health of your wife who gained 40 pounds over the course of the pandemic, but you care about people who might be pre-diabetic in some other state? It's all such contemptible bullshit. Such contemptible, contemptible, contemptible bullshit. And yet the politicians have to sit there and say, well, yes, you know, we really, we really do care about the, the health care. We've got to provide health care. The people who are in need, the, we all, like, everybody's just bound up in this sick vortex of Mobius strip falsehood and manipulation. We care about the poor. No, you, you, you want to be lazy. You want to eat too much. You don't want to exercise. And then you want free health care because you got sick from being fat. Let's just be honest. Well, we care. No, you don't. No, you don't. Oh, well, you see, well, we, we care about the poor. We, care, we really want to make sure that the poor have economic opportunities. 
Okay, then you must be against central banking, you must be against government schools, and you must be about the nuclear shadows called former fathers in the household who aren't there to help educate the kids, right? Because if you care about the poor, you should want them to have the greatest opportunities, the greatest protection, and the greatest education, and not get continually screwed by the slave masters of central banking that print money handed out at full value to their friends to the point where the poor end up with pennies on the dollar by the time it trickles down to them. So, oh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to make sacrifices for the poor. Oh, okay, great, then let's eliminate the national debt. Let's just pay it off, or whatever, right? What, whatever your solution, let's make sure we uh, privatize education so that the poor will actually get a decent education rather than be parked in brain-rotting concentration, uh, lack of concentration camps called government schools, right? No, they don't want any of that. They want a place to go and park their kids. Single moms care so much about all these social justice issues, but they didn't care enough about their kids to bag a stable provider and father for their kids, right? I have a new rule. I have a new rule. It's my new rule. I invite you to mull it over. I refuse to care more about people's kids than they do themselves. I refuse to care more about people's kids than the parents do themselves. That's just my new rule. It's a way of me not getting uh, hooked in with the skyhooks of guilt and pathological altruism. So I think the obesity in the U.S. has to do with its urban planning slash highway system. None of that forces anybody to put food in their mouths. None of them. So if you're a politician and all of these, we, 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 care, about, uh, we care about the third world. We care about the third world. We want to make sure that the third world has enough food and blah, blah, blah. Okay, then uh, obviously we should stop selling weapons to foreign governments. And obviously we should stop supplying foreign aid, which gives money and weapons to foreign governments, which they then use to oppress their own poor. So we've got to stop foreign aid. Oh, no, but if we stop foreign aid, then the poor will, the poor, the foreign country, blah, 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 right? God. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you don't care too much. If you don't care about people being too fat in your own country, don't tell me you care too, too much about people being thin in another country. It's just not true. It's the, it's the lying to, to everyone. It's the lying that, that bothers me the most. And, and the politicians just have to look and they have to nod along as we all squeal our virtue signaling nonsense and just lie, 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 lie. I care about the poor. Well, um... Have you ever tried creating any educational videos to help? No. God, no. <laughs> that's a lot of work, man. I don't want to be doing that. That's, that's no fun. The new Call of Duty map out. I just can't, you know, they released Airship for Among Us. I can't do any of that stuff. Right? So politicians lie to us because we lie to them and we lie to each other. I mean, the data around COVID is so, it's in, man, and it's, do you know what politicians with their rules, the mask mandates, you know what that is? I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's some self-deluded asshole standing on a beach doing weird gestures and dances claiming he's controlling the tides. That's all it is. That's all it is. 
it's someone on a very primitive island, a very primitive culture, when there's an eclipse, doing a weird dance, and then the eclipse passes because the moon passes in front of the sun and saying, ah, my dance cure. Like, these are natural patterns, natural forces, these waves going on. You can see these charts all over the place, all over the place. And it's all the same. Taiwan, 96% mask compliance. You impose the masks and the cases go like crazy. Up, doesn't matter. You repeal the mask mandate and the cases <laughs> go down. Right, so all these people doing these weird voodoo bullshit witch doctor crap thinking that they're controlling the tide of airborne infections. No, you're going to get these waves. They're going to come. Things are going to go. It's going to be a little bit seasonal. It's going to be a, you know, it's just the way things go. You saw exactly the same waves with the 1918 flu pandemic. There was one in the, the swine flu. Uh, you saw the same waves, the 57, 58, I think it was, um, uh, flu. You saw the same thing. And by the by, did you know that with the swine flu, they shut down the vaccine for the swine flu because there were 25 deaths? How many thousands have been in the U.S.? 10,000 or more deaths in Europe. On they go. On they go. It's all magical thinking. It's all politicians doing this weird dance, thinking that, well, I have to keep doing this dance, otherwise the tide is, is not going to come back. The tide's not going to come in. The tide comes in and it starts approaching the houses and they, they, they do a reverse dance to make sure that the houses don't drown in the tide. <laughs> the tide drove Aristotle almost mad because nobody could conceive of the fact that it was the moon that controlled the tides because they couldn't imagine something so far away having an effect on the earth. Just the lies. The lies. The lies, the lies, the lies. Most people don't even know that they're part of an experiment, that the current COVID vaccine rollouts are an experiment that doesn't end until next year. There were no animal tests. doesn't stop COVID. It's a weird thing too, right? Because if you've got a vaccine that all it does is suppress your symptoms, then you don't even know that you're sick. Doesn't that mean you spread it more? I don't know. I'm no doctor, but it seems to me to be the case. And we have, of course, some vaccinations in the middle of a pandemic, and all that does is drive mutations always and forever. All it's ever done is you have to wait till it's done and then inoculate everyone when the smoke is cooled because otherwise, or the fire is cooled because otherwise all you're doing is driving mutations. You can look at Texas, California, Sweden, <laughs> Texas, California, and Sweden. Pretty simple, pretty easy. Sweden has better numbers than most of Europe and they didn't lock down at all. No mask mandates, nothing. California, Locked down like crazy. Worst numbers or similar numbers to Texas. Texas opens up. You have these big oh, super spreader events. Everyone's in a stadium watching some sports ball. And there's no spike two weeks later. Nothing. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not science. Well, it's science like but the S is a dollar sign, right? South Dakota did well without lockdown? Yeah. Lockdown's all made up. I assume that all of the politicians who are promoting lockdowns, all they're doing is they've got something on them and they're threatening them and all that, right? 
yeah, I mean, I've taken 100% of the FDA-approved <laughs> vaccines, <laughs> which is zero. Hey there, first time on the stream. Glad to be on live instead of hearing replays. Well, I will get to some calls in a bit. Good evening, Steph. So the Fauci email, some say damning. He is done. Some say he looks great. Is the time for debate over? Yeah, time for debate is over. Been over for a while. Been over for a while. What is it? You had people involved in the funding of the gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab, thanking Dr. Fauci for dismissing the lab origin theory. It's not a theory. <laughs> Where's the absolute proof? You know, all the leftists who honestly believe that I'm some kind of white supremacist, despite the fact that I am not and have consistently opposed the idea, they're like, well, uh, somebody said it somewhere. That's proof enough for me. But then when it comes to the origin of COVID-19, right by the lab, studying gain-of-function research with a lax safety record, oh, well, that's not enough proof, man. <laughs> Pick a lane, people. You either believe something because someone said it somewhere on the internet or you have massively high standards of proof that without a smoking gun and a video camera, you can't believe anything. I mean, Fauci's just living the dream, right? He's considered to be an expert, and he doesn't have, like, because there's no reporters out there actually questioning anything or anyone. All they do is follow people's Twitter feeds, made up, make up stuff, lie about people, and bow to power. That's all they do, right? So what's he got to worry about? Blogs? <laughs> He'll be all right. It'll be all right. If you want to see what uh, addresses you can send to me, freedomain.com forward slash donate. I'd appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, yeah, everyone, oh, the government lies to us, but we all lie to the government. We all lie to the government. Oh, you know, we, 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 we care so much about the illegal uh, uh, immigrants. Oh, okay, well, if the people are being persecuted and there's refugees, surely we should be taking the white farmers from South Africa. No. So it's just lies. The, 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 the media tells you who you're supposed to sympathize with and who you're supposed to sympathize with are the people who drive the accumulation of power for the leftists. That's all it is. But you've got to make up all this bullshit about caring and principles and abstractions. No. You screwed up your health, you want free stuff. Just be honest. Say to the government, eh, you know, I got lazy, I got fat, I'm unhealthy, and uh, I spent most of my time eating Cheetos and watching Netflix instead of learning and reading and upping my human capital so I actually have job skills somewhere north of your average soap dish. No, I can't say that. We, we care about the unemployed. We care about the... Un no, you don't. No, you don't. You just you don't want to save and you want the government to take care of you when you get your ass fired or you quit. That's all. That's all. It's just lies. It's just lies. If we, if we stop lying to the government, then politicians like, will actually start to summon. Like, if you tell lies, you summon liars. If you tell lies in your life, bingo, bango, bongo, you are surrounded, Bruce Lee dragon style, by the endless, distorted mirrors of liars. If you tell lies in your life, you will bring liars to you. It's a ritual, right? You know, there's this ritual, like you want to raise a devil, you want to bring a devil into your life, you do these rituals and the devils come. So the ritual is called lying. Lying to yourself, lying to others, lying about everything, lying all the time, because you can't stand who you are if you tell the truth. You can't take responsibility. Once they can convince you to give up responsibility and play the victim, you just lie to yourself forever. And because everyone lies to each other and everyone lies to the government, 
You summon, like the devils, you summon lying politicians. And then everyone says, oh, I can't believe these politicians are lying to us. Well, of course they're lying to you. It's what you want. You want the politicians to lie to you because you couldn't stay. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a politician who actually, st- I'll, I'll do this speech one day. I won't do it right now. But can you imagine some politician who stood up and actually told people the truth? Actually told people the truth. Like, y'all don't care about your kids. If you cared about your kids, you take them out of government schools. If you cared about your kids, there'd be no such thing as a national debt. If you cared about your kids, you'd be fighting teachers' unions. If you cared about your kids, you'd be in a school choice. If you cared about your kids, you wouldn't allow them to drug your kids for being bored in boring schools. Untested adult hyperstimulants that cause a child's brain to seize, and they call that a cure for ADHD. Care about your kids? Care about sick people? Did you tell them to stop gaining weight? Did you challenge them to exercise? Did you challenge them to eat better when they were gaining weight? No. So you don't care. Now, you'll claim to care because that's just a way for you to get what you want. You get free stuff by claiming to care. Because you can't just say, no, I screwed up my health. Um, I've been lazy. I haven't read a book in five years, so I need unemployment insurance. Can't say that because that would be to take ownership of your life. And whenever you subsidize irresponsibility, you get more of it. And you, you tax responsibility, right? People who work hard and accumulate resources get the shit tax out of them. And then you fund irresponsibility. And people can't say, yeah, I was lazy. I prefer playing video games to reading books. Uh, I ate too much. I didn't exercise. I was kind of relieved when the pandemic came along because now I get to be virtuous for not having a life. And, uh, yeah, can't say that, right? You got to say, well, I, 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 I care about the sick and I care about the poor and I care about the unemployed, ah, right? No, you don't. No, you don't. You're just going to lie and lie about it all. Everybody lies to everyone all the time about everything important. And then it's like, I can't believe we've got liars in the government. <laughs> Some politician comes along and says, uh, you've murdered free speech on the altar of hurt feelings, you psychopaths. You've murdered free speech on the altar of hurt feelings because you allowed yourself to be programmed into being hysterically allergic to the truth. Okay. So you say society's going in the wrong direction. Well, you turned off your radar, didn't you? You allowed good people to be silenced through violence. Violence. But that was my history, right? Out there giving speeches, bomb threats, death threats, venues shut down, physical attacks on the venues, physical attacks on the audience, physical attacks on me. Cheered on by the media. All of this stuff cheered on by the media. Terrorism cheered on by the media. You let that happen. You still go back to your fix, to the mainstream media. You still give them your money, your eyeballs, your advertising revenue. What is your most tempting lie? You're anonymous. Yeah, I won't won't read your name. 
The chat isn't embedded in the video. Come on, what's your type, type? What's the most tempting lie? Everybody has a tempting lie. Everybody has a tempting lie. My big, most tempting lie is the government can be reformed. That's my big tempting lie, right? Somehow you can make slavery work. <laughs> That's my big tempting lie. You can make this work, which I'm curing myself of. I have been cured of over the last couple of years. What is your... Politicians have been instructed what will happen to them if they tell the truth. Yeah, JFK. Yeah, how about we audit the Fed and end the Federal Reserve, end central banking. Gone. Tempting. That I've done enough. That's your line. That I'll live forever. I can eat KFC all day long. Trump will save us. Yeah. All races can live and work together. I don't. How is that diversity working out in the Middle East? How's that working out? I brush my teeth so I don't have to get out of bed. <laughs> the military will step in. Liberals have good intentions that we all won't end up in gulags. I'll get my life together someday. Weed and prostitutes are good for society. The military protects freedom. Yeah, I posted that on Memorial Day, Sunday. That there was no point soldiers sacrificing their lives for your freedoms if you're unwilling to risk, even risk your reputation for the truth. The lie is people will wake up to the world. Here's the thing, right? I'm not a big fan of Freud, but one thing I think that he had an important insight on was eros and thanatos, eros and thanatos. So eros is the love impulse, the life impulse, that which grows towards the sun and flourishes and thrives and is positive, life-affirming. And then the death impulse is that which tends towards decay, suicidality, death, and so on, right? And there are a lot of people, uh, Carl Jung was talking about this with one of his patients. One of his patients said, Ah, oh, Dr. Young, I'm having this dream. Ah, oh, it's crazy. So I'm, ha- I'm a mountaineer, right? I love, I love mountain climbing. I'm in my 50s. And I keep having this dream. I'm climbing a mountain, and it's getting colder. The air's getting bittier. My, my teeth are aching. The air's getting more bitter. And I keep climbing. It's hard work, crazy work, slippery, dangerous. And then I get to the top of the mountain. The strangest thing happens in the dream. It's weird. I get to the top of the mountain, And I keep climbing into the air itself, into the sky. I can grab fistfuls of air like the back of a yak's hair. And I can keep climbing up into the sky beyond the mountain. And Carl Jung said, uh, you got to stop mountaineering like now. Like you must stop. Because this is a death impulse. This is the seduction of death. This is death is preferable to where you are in your life. And this guy's life was a mess, right? And the guy said, oh, this, it's nonsense. What are you talking about? I, I know what I'm doing. I've been mountaineering for 30 years. I know what I'm doing. I know what my limits are. And less than a month after this session, on a fairly easy climb, the guy fell to his death. This may or may not be a true story, but it's a powerful story nonetheless. Have you guys ever known him, with a why or a story? Have you ever known someone who is full of the thanatos, of the death impulse, crazy risks, excessive drinking, dangerous sleeping around, like they're just rolling the dice and you just know they're going to come up snake eyes sooner or later? 
Have you ever known? Oh, maybe you've had a phase like this in your life. I have. I'll tell you about it if you like. Yeah, you have it? No. Most people, yes. You've known someone, right? You've known someone where you're like, this is not going to end well. This is not going to end well. So I've, I've thought about, I just talked to a woman today. I had a call-in show with a woman today. She was really desperate for a conversation. And her, um, her mother almost sold her to a pedophile for $2,000. This is stuff that I see. And the mother was a drug addict for more than 20 years, off and on, mostly on, and a prostitute. And the woman has detached from her mother because the mother was just like a Titanic swirling her down to, to death, right? And the mother, the last she heard about the mother, that the mother was sleeping in a bus shelter and got up and just walked into traffic, almost, almost got hit, almost got killed, right? That's a death impulse. If you remember the singer Marvin Gaye, Great voice. My God, what an unearthly good set of pipes that man had. Just that raspy Motown perfection, right? So he had a crazy dad who was a priest, a preacher, I think. And his dad would like dress up in women's clothing and so on. And his dad always said, you ever lay a hand on me? And he would beat the crap out of his son. And his dad said to him, if you ever lay a hand on me in anger, I will kill you. And Marvin Gaye got addicted to uh, drugs. And it was just a miserable existence, man. You get addicted to that stuff. Life very quickly becomes not worth living because all you do is, all you're doing is no longer chasing the high, but avoiding the low, avoiding the crash, avoiding the, um, the toxicity of the crash. And just out of nowhere, Marvin Gaye gets up and just punches his dad and his dad shoots him. Because right? his dad had said, you lay a hand on me, I'll kill you, right? So Marvin Gaye clearly didn't want to live anymore. There's lots of ways of, different ways of killing yourself. And most of it has to do, of course, with untreated sexual abuse as a child. Marilyn Monroe, sexually abused as a child, begged for help, ignored. Jim Morrison, sexually abused as a child. Just appalling. This, this mother, this woman's mother, sexually abused as a child by her mother's sister's boyfriend who then was left alone with kids afterwards. So there are a lot of people who've made so many moral compromises, have become so unhealthy in their soul, that death becomes just a consummation devoutly to be wished. They have a death impulse. They have thanatos. They have the undertow, the lemming. And when people march up to give the government more power over them and surrender their medical autonomy and more power and more power and more subjugation and more enslavement and more control and more bullying and more debt. Everybody knows where that leads. You don't have to be a brain surgeon to know where that leads. You don't even have to know history that well. And the death impulse of modern politics Pretty powerful force, man. And it's really, really tough to talk people out of that. Hit me with a why. If you've managed to talk someone out of this, going down to the delta of death, Thanatos impulse. Hit me with a why if you've managed to talk someone out of it. I wonder. I wonder.
No, 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 no. Yes, your brother? Oh, good for you, man. Good for you. I need to be talked out of this right now. Well, maybe we'll, we'll chat. No, I wish. I tried. No, I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. When people get to the tipping point of their own bad conscience, it just leads down to death. Whether it's spiritual or physical is not particularly important. But uh, the people who've rotted from the inside out because they've done great immorality in their life, you've got to hide from your conscience. You've got to hide from yourself. You've got to hide from the truth. You've got to hide from integrity. You've got to hide from good people. And because of the evil that you've done, it draws other evildoers into your life like a magnet, like a magnet. You lie to people, you bring liars into your life. You abuse people, you bring abusers into your life. And then you're fucking sealed in, man. You are sealed in. Your coffin is nailed shut and you're in there with the beasts and the broken, the devils. Forever. Forever. My mother never escaped the evils that she did. And she ended up uh, with some friend of hers being held at gunpoint by her crazy, this friend's crazy boyfriend all night. And this is the world that she lived in. This is the life that she had. You can't get out of it. You can't escape it. You can try and drag people out of it, but they just go back. We end up, we end up in life with what we genuinely feel we deserve. And what we genuinely feel we deserve is not as open to our choice as we think it is. Now, the Christians understand that, right? The Christians understand that, that you can choose to do immorality. You can choose to do evil, but you can't choose to avoid the consequences of doing evil, which is being sealed in an underworld called hell of evildoers. Because good people will smell that spiritual stench coming off you and give you a wide berth. You've seen those people, right? You've seen those people. They're in coffee shops. They're in the parks. They're around. They're around. And they've got a, um, a fetid stench of dangerous immorality in them. And there's a great um, Tender is the Night, F. Scott Fitzgerald. There's a great description of a guy who comes to a party who's just evil. And people really get that. People really get that. And a lot of the moralists are surrounded by these kinds of evildoers. Like Ricky Gervais, the comedian who, who's got an absolutely terrible show uh, on about a guy who, who misses his wife because his wife died of cancer and he's very cynical and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it turned out one of his business partners was a complete creep. He had no idea. So he lectures all these people. He's got these famous Golden Globes and lecturing all these people uh, uh, the... Um, the Hollywood elite on their connections with Jeffrey Epstein and so on. And he can't even identify vicious, ugly people in his own life. Right. Yes, me survived Thanatos. See above found you at the right time, Steph. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. You said earlier predators in society weird to detect, but evil is explicit smelling now. Oh, are you one of these, like, I caught you saying something slightly different earlier, and that's my life. It's just trying to catch people in stuff like this. Is this your... <sighs> so predators in society can be hard to detect if you yourself are either the victim of great immorality and have not processed it and come to moral conclusions, or you are the committer of immorality and therefore can't. But, uh, no, if you're a good person, you can see evildoers a mile off. So... Yeah, you're you're a gotcha, gotcha geek, right? You're just a gotcha geek. You said this before, now you're saying something different. That's really sad. It's a sad way to spend your life. And here's the thing, right? It doesn't, and I say this out of sympathy and, and affection, it doesn't stop me from going about doing my things in the life. But if you're a gotcha geek, 
Like I, I did a, a video today. I haven't released it yet. A guy who was crabbing at my theory of ethics, universally preferable behavior. And he's like, what you said, this is interesting, right? So he said, um, Steph, you said that UPB is scientific, but you also say that ethics is centered on the future. But in the future, there's no empirical evidence, and science relies upon empirical evidence, and therefore you've contradicted yourself. <laughs> like, oh my God. How many pretzels do you have to turn yourself into to avoid saying to yourself, according to UPB, I've done some bad things in my life? That's why people dislike UPB, because it exposes them. UPB arms the conscience, and if people have a bad conscience, they don't want to submit to it, because vanity, right? Vanity. Ah, my favorite sin, says the devil, right? Steph, are you pissed about something? You're not good at listening. Sorry. I got to be uh, clear about that, right? So if someone's, uh, you know, having a rant and then, you, you know, of course I'm pissed about something. I mean, I said it explicitly, right? And then if you're jumping out to try and talk about the meta narrative of the conversation, it's because you're not listening directly. UPB helped me so much. Yeah. Yeah, see, this is the thing too, right? There's no such thing as lying as a bad thing at all if you're not a Christian or you're not UPB. If you're not a UBB person and you're not a Christian, you could lie. There's no, I mean, your conscience will get you eventually, but you can lie and there's, you've no issue with it. Right? I said this before, nature is all about lying. Nature is all about falsehood. The tiger stripes are so that he can't be seen through tall grass. Is he cheating? <laughs> well, the tiger would say, no, I'm using my maximum advantage. I'm not going to blow on a trumpet so that all of the Zebra can flee because I'm going to creep up, right? Is it cheating for the hyenas to have dogs waiting ahead of whatever they're chasing? No, of course not. <laughs> it's not cheating. Is it cheating for the cuckoo to lay its egg in another bird's nest? No, it's not cheating. It's just trying to survive, trying to maximize resources. Is it cheating for the giraffe to have a taller neck and get more leaves from the taller trees? No. So, do kids like UPB? Oh, kids love UPB. Kids love UPB. So, if, if people lie to you, oh, people lied, people lied. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you don't have a system of ethics, whether the source is God or philosophy, if you don't have a system of ethics, why wouldn't you lie? Of course you would. Why wouldn't you lie? <laughs> of course you would. It's, it's like uh, saying, um, well, women shouldn't be allowed to use makeup. That's cheating. It's like, why wouldn't you? Gets you more resources, right? You invest $1,000 a month uh, or $1,000 every couple of months on the makeup, and you get a guy who makes $20,000 a year more. It's a great investment. Why wouldn't you? Artoftheargument.com. Art of the Argument book was amazing. Thank you very much. Artoftheargument.com. Appreciate that. When's the sequel coming? Hmm, I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that. I'm working on the book on peaceful parenting at the moment, so. Why are humans the only animals that can be evil? Because human beings are the only animals that can conceive of universally preferable behavior. Because we can conceptualize an abstract preferable behavior. Because we can, we can compare proposed Actions to an ideal standard. 
We're the only creature that can do that. We're the only creature that can compare proposed actions to an ideal standard. So we can sit there and say, ah, you know, if we have too much pollution, it's going to be bad for the environment, and we've got overpopulation issues, and whatever you would say. Rabbits don't do that. They just fucking have babies, right, just until they all starve to death, right? So you can't get a rabbit to compare proposed actions to an ideal standard. Human beings can compare proposed actions to an ideal standard, but the only species that can do it, and that's why we are bound to morality, because we do it whether we like it or not. We do it whether we like it or not. So all this, all oh, racism is bad, but only white people can be racist. It's so boring. This is another reason why I got out of politics. It's all just so boring and so predictable. Of course you're going to say that. Of course you are. I mean, of course you... So it's not hypocritical, right? Is it hypocritical for the cheetah to go really slow until it's close and then go really fast? But it, it was going slow and then now it's going really fast. Is it hypocritical? No, it's just how they get resources. So most people don't have any... Certainly since the fall of Christianity, they don't have any ethical standards, they have no moral standards whatsoever. So if they lie, they cheat, they steal, it doesn't matter. You know, there are, there are what is it, there are crabs that, that gather together shells to attract a mate, right? They sea crabs or hermit crabs or something like that. They gather shells, right? And, and you can see one hermit crab is out there risking his ass to go and get shells and another one is just taking his shells. <laughs> Do we put him in court? Do we know? It's easier to take another crab's shells than it is to go out and risk your ass getting shells yourself, right? So there's no morality in any of it, right? It's just, what do I have to say to get resources? Like a magic spell. What magic spell do I have to say in order to get resources? Okay, well, if I can make white people guilty, blah, blah, blah. Okay, well, then I'll just say that word and I'll look magic resources show up in my bank account. It's about as amoral as saying, well, I'm going to get a remote control for my TV because I don't want to have to keep getting up to change it, right? Is that immoral? No, you just you want to get resources more easily, right? Change the channel without having to get up, right? So, <sighs> All right. Let's see here. Uh, boom, boom, boom. All right. Tiger blows on Stefan's trumpet on OnlyFans. You have, you have quite the imagination. Uh, not, uh, I've contempt for myself ever since I got on unemployment, and the circumstances were very particular as to why I was fired. Sorry. Mm -hmm. If a person commits evil and doesn't even know about the evil, we call them mentally impaired. Yeah, that's true, right? So if somebody commits a crime in full sight of a policeman or whatever, right? Steph, will you ever cover how to handle sudden wealth? Hodlers may need it in the future. Well, of course, you don't want to imagine that the wealth is going to make you happy. It's not a bad thing. It's fine to have wealth, but it's not going to make you happy. And it's not going to make you uh, more in demand by good people. It's not going to cover your conscience. It's not going to make you feel like a good person if there's things you need to atone for. So. Blacks don't bash Muslims for castrating slave blacks. Well, sure, because Muslims as a whole don't have the mineable resource called guilt, right? So can't get money out of it, so don't make up the standards, right? Did we talk about Fauci's emails? Eh. I loved your novel almost. Wish it didn't end. That's a great book, isn't it? Man, man, it was a great book. Have you entertained the thought of the jab being mandatory? Okay, please don't refer to it as a jab because that sounds pretty innocuous, like a sliver. Um, are you optimistic in certain ways other than government? I mean, I don't know, optimism or pessimism. Uh, I just try and deal with the facts as much as 
possible. I'm really looking forward to your peaceful parenting book. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. With the crypto market going currently, you don't need to worry about getting rich anytime soon. <laughs> well, see, that's one way of looking at it, of course. Another way of looking at it is that uh, Bitcoin's on sale. And uh, it's the best time to buy to get wealthy. So, but I guess that's just a mindset question. I, uh, I'm relentlessly, uh, whatever happens, I will milk the positive. I will tell you that right now. Whatever happens, I will milk the positive. I will learn to love whatever happens. That's, that's just a matter of willpower. All right. Why am I more comfortable sharing personal details with random people than my parents slash relatives? Um, because uh, with random people, you don't, uh, if they reject you, it doesn't feel so bad, right? When's the next crypto live stream? Um, I don't know. I'll get to it. I'll get, I'm pretty busy right now. Um, I did a um, rebuttal to a UPB critique today. I did a long conversation with the woman whose mother might have, was about to sell her for $2,000 to a pedophile. And I'm doing the live stream tonight. So I'm pretty busy at the moment. So I will get to it now. I will get to it. Ah, all right. Um, um, modern monetary theory says debt, not bad. Why not just not tax at all? Well, um, if you watch the debate, the MMT argument is that the reason why you have to tax is you have to create demand for your currency from the general population. Otherwise, nobody will bother getting hold of it. Stefan's busy on OnlyFans and not telling us. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It seems almost like the vaccine is the entire point of the whole thing. And uh, that's not good. They OSHA just suspended the requirement that you have to report um, vaccine, adverse vaccine responses um, as uh, to them. And that's pretty bad. Um, I was talking to a doctor the other day who was saying that it took him like uh, over half an hour to fill out an act for a vaccine adverse reaction thing. And there was legal warnings on every page. And it's really tough, right? really tough all right so uh let's uh let's go into the chat uh come chat with me come fly with me let's fly let's fly away will steph ever do another video with the dollar vigilante oh jeff berwick boy there's a blast from the past uh all right let's start our chitty chatty von bing bang bong <laughs> continue all right we are unmuted. Let me just get share invite link. There we go. Let's put the invite link in. You can join me following this link. And is Steph pro-Israel? Well, you know, here's the funny thing, right? I mean, so people saying that Israel is like unjustly created. It's like, hello and welcome to every single country the world over for all time. And all the people who are complaining about imperialism on the part of the Jews in the Middle East don't seem to have a problem much with the Muslim invasion of India, which was pretty much the biggest mass murder in human history. So, uh, I don't care about Fauci's agenda, blah, blah, blah. Sorry, I just don't. Uh, uh, I, don't uh, I don't really care about that stuff. I'm sorry, maybe I should, but to be honest, I just don't. All right, uh, let me just make sure that I'm getting audio the way that I should. 
the meaty, beaty, big and bouncy way that I, I don't order. I'm just going to play something because I don't know if anyone's talking in the chat or not. But uh, if you are not, um, I would be happy to hear from you. Oh, look at that Bitcoin, 45151. Still way up from it was at the beginning of the year or last year, right? So that well, was very positive, right? Okay, hang on a sec here. Love, devotion. All right, so um, let's just uh, play something here and make sure I've got me some audio. Yes, I do. All right, so it's y'all ain't talking to me. Hey, that's no problem, man. I've had Hi, a long Stephane. day. Hello, hey. how you doing? Hey, good to be on. Uh, sorry for the shortness of breath. I'm in the middle of a workout, but I had to come on and um, say hi, as well as, um, I don't know, I, I was in the other chat about the carnivore diet. Are you open to me sharing a bit about that at this time, or do you rather schedule something at another time? Uh, I mean, what am I supposed to say about diets? Uh, what I have noticed about diets is it's really, really tough to change the diet that you were raised in. I don't know if it's your gut bacteria is just adapted to all that kind of stuff. I mean, I've tried a wide variety of things, mostly in pursuit of I have a bit of a mid-afternoon lull at times. And I've tried carb-free, South Beach, um, uh, Five Bean, uh, and so on. And my wife's a vegetarian, so I'm a little limited on the only meat department. But, um, you know, I, you, you can tell me, you know, your personal sort of thoughts or experience with it. But I certainly can't do much to, to evaluate it, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, Stefan. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, so essentially, um, I was diagnosed with uh, severe chronic migraines at age uh, 20. Um, and this soon followed after um, my father's suicide. So just to go real deep, real quick, right? Um, I know the audience. And I know the difference between trauma and how it can affect on your immune system and the different parts of your your body, obviously. So there's obviously a connection there, at least I think. Um, essentially, I, I struggled with them. First, I tried to take, you know, typical uh, medication. I was on a, uh, so to treat migraines, they prescribe these triptans. And what triptans do is they basically um, constrict the blood vessels in your brain. Um, I would, my chronic migraines were so bad that I was getting one just essentially every day, if not every other day, to where I was incapacitated. Now, sorry, just to interrupt, um, but migraines are basically like Satan disassembling your skull, right? Because people, like, they they screaming in agony to the point where they throw up, and sometimes they get better after they throw up, but it is... Just like, imagine an ice cream headache on steroids, right? Something like that. Is that a fair way to put it? Yes. At times, I would bang my head up against the wall to feel better. Right. They would be that bad. That hitting my, my head up against the cold wall at night uh, was relief. Um, and the thing about the triptans and the medication is that they actually just kind of knock you out. So even if you're not in pain, you're still not functional. And as a 20-year-old male... Um, at the part of your life where you're supposed to really getting your stuff together and move forward, get a career, you know, family going, all that stuff. I was incapacitated. Yeah, I had a girlfriend, but it was hard to really kind of start life when you're essentially disabled right in the beginning. Um, 
And so I decided to go with a more natural approach after talking to a decent neurologist. Um, I cut out like almonds. They kind of have migraine diets and things like that. And that kind of helped. Um, I was able to knock them down to about once a week. Um, and then I actually ended up working with a natural path that got me in a bunch of vitamins. And I did all the food allergy tests. And I did all kinds of stuff. And I was spending like $135 a month on vitamins. Uh, just to kind of be functional at least five to six days out of the week. And I'd usually get a migraine in the weekend when I was relaxing, um, which is, of course, fun. I went like that was paleo, which for those that don't know what paleo is, um, I did no dairy and um, no gluten for six years. Again, uh, roughly still getting them about once a week. Um, I In 2019, I get into a severe car wreck. The migraines shoot way back up to nearly daily again. Um, I, As I normally do, I hit the internet and started to do some more research. Um, I found the work of a doctor uh, named Angela Statton and uh, her protocol. Um, and what she came up with is that migraines are essentially a uh, electrolyte disorder in the brain. So it has to do with salt and potassium channels in the brain. Essentially, uh, the migraine brain requires more salt to function when you do not have enough of that sodium or the salt in the brain. It causes a cascading effect leading to the many different symptoms of migraine, the vertigo, uh, the vomiting, the uh, pain, obviously. Um, and once I discovered that, and then what she also discovered is that carbohydrates interact with sodium and it actually kind of um, sucks the sodium out of you or makes it to where you're uh, not able to absorb the sodium. Um, and so through her group, I found the carnivore diet. And within about six months, my migraines dropped to about once a month. And now I'm essentially migraine free. And I'm two and like a quarter year into the carnivore diet. Um, and it's helped my depression. It's helped my focus. Um, I I'm totally kicking butt and taking names at work. Um, and like I said, I'm working out right now. I used to be workout intolerant because it would give me a migraine. Um, and so, yeah, that's just kind of my really, really quick story. There's a bunch of nuance in there. I know so much more we could get in. But to me, it's, it's really saved my life. And I discovered you at the same time. So my um, saying is, is that there's no problem that the carnivore diet or philosophy cannot solve. So that's well, kind of okay, what I so preach. Listen, I mean... I, I'm obviously thrilled for for the success that it's had towards you, but uh, it's very specific to you, isn't it? I mean, it's your particular chemistry, it's your particular history, it's your particular gut bacteria and so on. I'm always a little bit concerned about the, you know, one size fits all. Uh, this is just it, right? This is like, that's the solution. Well, I don't know. I mean, does it work for everyone? I think people are very, uh, very different. Right. But we may not be as different as we're told. Um, so if you look at the human intestines, you know, how old are our intestines? Our, essentially, our intestines have not changed for 3.2 million years. Um, and so because of that, um, that not being changed, essentially, um, everyone seems to do well on the carnivore diet with a little bit of tweaking. Some people need to increase the fat, decrease the protein. Some people have more protein and a little less fat. And when it comes to plants, so very little plants are actually edible. I'm sure you know that, Steph. 
um, there's in the plant kingdom. Most plants are poisonous. I know you've spent plenty of time in the wilderness. There's so many plants that you walk by that if you went to go eat it, you would either um, get severely ill or possibly die. Um, just because... It, okay, plants... Please, dude, dude, I mean, uh, this is... I'm so sorry to interrupt, and I, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I, I find it... Um, I don't know how to say this nicely. Uh, diet bores... Um, you, it's a philosophy show, right? So um, t telling me that there's lots of plants we can't eat um, is is kind of basic. I get that. And and listen, I, I don't mean to be hostile. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it's worked for you. I'm happy to hear more. But uh, it's not a nutrition show, right? And uh, just my personal experience, yeah, I tried a bunch of different things. And uh, I always ended up just having to go back to where I started. But just, you know, exercise more, eat less as I as I age. And that's... Uh, that's about it. So I guess I'm like really glad that it worked for you. And I'm glad that you've learned some science about it. But, you know, there are some people who is like, oh, well, you've got to be vegan. Oh, you got to be vegetarian. Oh, you need a carnivore diet. Oh, you need the Stone Age diet. Oh, you need like oh, Jordan Peterson just eats half a cow every day and considers himself cured of, of mortality. And then his daughter, Michaela, I think her name is, has got some other thing which she's, I don't know if it's the same thing or something like that. And it's just like, I, uh, I'm not that interested in food, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Uh, and I, I don't yeah. really like the idea that there's some big cure-all for, you know, human unhappiness called change your diet. I mean, yeah, I think diet's important. You've got to eat fairly well and all that. But I think different diets work for different people. And it's not UPB, uh, as far as I'm concerned, because I've heard people, you know, Jordan Peterson uh, loves it one way. Other people are like, oh, man, when I gave up meat, my health was better, my happiness was better, and... Other people are like, oh, if I gave up carbs, and other people are like, well, carbs are fine as long as you're exercising. And it's like, I just, um, I, uh, I don't know, eat, eat what, <laughs> I don't know what to say, uh, eat, eat what works for you. Um, but I don't have a, uh, a particular dog in the fight, other than I just tell you, I, nothing to do personal to you. Again, I'm, I'm thrilled that you find it exciting, but I can't stay too interested in diet again maybe i'm missing something I'm, I'm certainly happy to hear more but that's that's sort of my issue yeah that's that's absolutely fine stefan um you know if i could just um maybe the randall cycle just uh, if you give me just two minutes yeah yeah go go maybe um the randall cycle is very interesting so what the randall cycle is is that um basically as long as you eat fats without carbohydrates um, you will not gain weight um, because what happens is what the Randall cycle is, is when you combine fats with carbohydrates, with carbohydrates become glucose very quickly in the blood sugar and glucose at very high levels is toxic to the body. So the um, body oxidizes the glucose, the excess glucose, and puts it into your fat store, fat cells for storage causing you to gain a lot of weight. Um, so when people, so the vegans, right? They eat carbs, very little protein, and no fat because they're getting everything from plants. On a carnivore diet, you're eating all the fats and the protein, but very little carbs. So, you're so both ways, you're circumventing the Randall cycle. Now, here's where it gets interesting. On a vegan diet, unfortunately, again, back to our 3.2 million year old intestines, um, 
a lot of the protein or you know vitamins that are in plants we're not able to actually absorb it um, whereas when it comes to beef and animal proteins and the vitamins found in animals um, it's very easily absorbable um, more or less because we are made of protein and fat um, there's no um, you know cellulose fiber in our body that our cells are made out of. So that was super quick. I know very simplistic, but I do respect your time. Yes. And uh, I certainly, I don't like, of course, that the government went um, low fat, L low fat. Therefore, you know, the idea that, you know, well, it's not fat that makes you fat, right? It's a bit counterintuitive, right? But yeah, the fact that the government went low fat, uh, I think the biggest issue that's happened in terms of diet was uh, getting women out into the workforce has made everyone tired and fat, right? Because women out in the workforce means more processed food, means more crap and garbage and, and sugar, everything in your diet. And low fat uh, means high sugar, high fructose glucose, high sorbitol, high aspartame, high sucralose and all this kind of crap. So yeah, unfortunately, once you, once you got women out into the workforce, then People just started eating crap because there wasn't any time for proper cooked meals and uh, people got, got sick and, and all of that. So, yeah, the food pyramid is a total bullshit and is a government program uh, heavily driven by, uh, of course, the farming industry, which wanted to find a way to dump carbs and all that. So And, and sugar is, a, you know, is a great, the great Satan of the modern diet. So, yeah, so, I mean, again, but I, I don't really have much to, um, to offer. I, I certainly can't talk much to the science. I can tell you that um, I know fat vegetarians. I know thin, healthy people who eat mostly carbs. I have not found any particular diet change. I mean, getting out, getting sugar out of my diet over the last 20 years, it's just partly because of aging and all of that. But yeah, you kind of got to eat a lot less sugar. And... So and there's just too much different information. Jordan Peterson says, oh, my gosh, you know, I was so much happier and healthier eating nothing but meat. But then, you know, he gets hooked on benzodiazepines, end up in an induced coma in Russia and gets COVID and pneumonia twice. And, you know, uh, you know maybe, maybe it's fine for him. I don't know. But uh, I've, I've just seen way too many exceptions to the rules to think it's a one-size-fits-all solution. I'm not saying that you're suggesting it is, but... I kind of gave up on diet stuff and uh, just uh, uh, eat what works for you. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's worth worth experimenting. All right. Somebody else says, uh, when can I jump in about my mind-numbing self-doubt in my unemployment? I hate humping in and interrupting. No, no, man. Ask for what you want. Ask for what you want. Are you in? Do you want to you wanna unmute? Yeah, go for it. I'll mute myself. Thank you, Stefan. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. All right. Unknown Hello. for you. Are you with us? Yep. Hello. 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 Yeah, you're super quiet, man. I can't talk to you if you don't get your volume up somehow. Okay. All right. I'll come back. Uh, meat is expensive. Elites want to restrict it. Yeah. Isn't there a whole bunch Hello? of cyber attacks now on on the meat uh, meat processing meat uh, meat packaging? All right. Are you back, my friend? Hello. You know, it's a funny evening. thing. Hang on just a sec. So it's a funny thing with the vaccine, too. Now they really do have a worldwide database of people who are skeptics, right? This is, this is one of the things that's 
kind of true about the vaccine as a whole is now we have a worldwide database of people who are skeptical of government information and skeptical and and do research, right? Because the people who are concerned about the vaccine have greater knowledge statistically than the people who are just taking it. So I guess one of the things that's an unpleasant side effect of the pandemic is they now have a worldwide database uh, full full of people, or rather not full of people, uh, who, who can be reasonably thought to be independent thinking and skeptical. Uh, that's not probably very good, but uh, what are you going to do, right? I mean, I did a whole documentary, Hong Kong Fight for Freedom, about how dangerous China was. Anyway, all right, uh, are you back? Hello, hello, hello. Hello? I'm not the guy, but I just wanted to speak for a second. Yeah, go for it. Hi. Uh, so I was just wanted to give you a big thank you because I'm going to be getting married next year to the love of my life, uh, where she's actually listening to you. Well, right hello. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, how, how exciting, how wonderful, how thrilling. Uh, great. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, that, that, was, that was basically it. I mean, I, I, I was the guy that uh, was huffing a computer duster a couple of years back and just through a lot of therapy and just talking things out with my parents I kind of felt like I I needed to change my ways because <laughs> that obviously wasn't getting me to places I mean being completely broke at that time as well it's not a good combo so but I, I'm very thankful for you I, I love that now it's not so focused on uh, politics but rather more of uh, self-knowledge stuff like a lot of the things that uh, you did back in like 2013 14 when I started listening to. So thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. I hope you guys decide to become parents if you're into peaceful parenting. Um, I did just a back of the napkin calculation about the couple of hundred thousand people at a minimum that have come into existence because of this show, uh, talking about how wonderful parenting is and how to give people a path to becoming parents that means they can do things differently than their own parents and actually really lean into and enjoy being a parent. And uh, it's really tough to beat that kind of uh that kind of success in the world so thank you very much yeah of course and it's just crazy seeing uh the difference in between how both of us were raised and just how much learning about how (laughs) how children behave and and how much that affects their responses to how you talk to them uh just how big of a difference it can be when you're you know like polite about it you ask him like, oh, like how this is just from 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 me talking to my little brother, just asking him like, hey, hey, <laughs> uh, how how was this experience? Did you like it? Did you not like it? It's kind of like the analogy that you had a while ago, like how a, a restaurant can care more about its customers than some parents care about their kids. Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm regularly asking both my wife and my daughter, how can I do things better? How are you enjoying things? Anything I'm doing bothering you? Oh yeah, I'm asked this of the listeners too. So um, I appreciate that. And listen, massive congratulations. I think it's wonderful. And yeah, I mean, it was partly my own struggle. Like if, I, if, if becoming a parent was going to have anything to do with how my parents were, you couldn't pay me enough to do it. Like you couldn't pay me. But if you can do something different or if philosophy was like most of philosophy that you get in university, which is really boring, really abstract, really depressing, really alienating, really weird. Um, you couldn't pay me enough to be a philosophy professor. You couldn't pay me enough to parent if it had anything to do with how I was parented. But the great thing about having a disaster for the first fifth of your life 
is that you get to reinvent everything from scratch. You get to throw absolutely every. You're not tempted to keep anything. You know, like if you move, you, you let's say you, you somebody gives you a house, you move in, and there was a hoarder living there for thirty years, and there's rats and and all kinds of crap. You're not tempted to keep anything. You know, so oh, I got to sort through these <laughs> magazines from the 1970s and see if I want to keep any because they're rotten and got cat pee on them and stuff. You just if if the whole house is a disaster, the contents you throw it all out. You don't have to review anything. You just you know just garbage bags in. You go and you're done. Whereas uh, if uh, that's a great, that's yeah, a great if, if there's good stuff and bad stuff in there, man, it takes forever to sort things out. But if it's just like, nope, yeet it all out, baby. I don't want anything from where I came from. Nothing, not a scratch, not a bit, not a hint, not a shade, nothing. You get to totally just buy a new whiteboard. You don't have to wipe the existing, just get a whole new whiteboard and start from scratch. And that's really great. And that's the best way to turn disaster into opportunity is just say, okay, well, now I can throw it all out, baby, and start completely from scratch. So... Um, I didn't like I didn't want I didn't want my parents relationship I didn't want the girlfriends or the wives of anyone I grew up with not one person had a marriage well the one guy who was Iranian he had a pretty good marriage but anyway so maybe maybe one but I didn't want any I didn't want anyone's life that I grew up with and Boy, that's tough because you don't have any examples. You don't have any tutoring. But by God, it's incredible because then you can just create yourself from scratch. You can Frankenstein your whole future together from whatever you want because nobody's tempting you with anything to follow in their footsteps. So I guess uh, that's that. The no train tracks means you can explore wherever the hell you want rather than just following the tracks. So I'm really, really thrilled. And congratulations to, to you both. Yes. Thank you, man. And then just one more thing, since uh, there's a lot of people around us that are having kids and aren't necessarily the best parents, is it worth uh, to put in, I guess, a little bit of effort into trying to teach them? Or would that be more of like a personal question as to if they matter enough to me to try and uh, help them and get them into peaceful parenting? Yeah, so here's the thing. Uh, if it's people that you have optional relationships with, then it's probably good trying to teach them virtue in general. If it's people that you have involuntary relationships with, so this could be family, it's really tough that way because if it goes badly, you can't get away. If you have like the neighbor on the street across from you, if you roll the peaceful parenting dice... Hey, if it comes up two sixes, fantastic. If it comes up snake eyes or you roll one on a D20 and you don't get that thief re-roll for bad luck, uh, then what's happened is you've made your case, you've made your claim, you've made your statement, you've defined that person as immoral if they're not peaceful parenting. If they don't make it, you've got an enemy and you've got an enemy right across the street from you for the next 20 years if you don't move. So be very careful trying to improve the lives of people you're in an involuntary relationship with. Uh, whereas if it's somebody, you know, you meet them at a golf club, uh, or you meet them at, when you take your kids to, um, uh, I don't know, gymnastics or something like that, you can throw a little bit in here and there. Like a no strings attached type. Yeah. If it doesn't work out, you can just move on. Right. And you don't have to hang out with that person, but you know, you try it with an aunt or, or a sister or a brother or a neighbor or a coworker or something or your boss. And you know, you kind of got to go back, right? <laughs> you kind of got to go back and, or, or they're there. Uh, as a whole. And so um, that would be my suggestion. It doesn't mean you can't. I'm certainly not telling you what to do or not to do. But uh, in my experience, the more 
uh, the lower the stakes, the greater the success. And the high stakes man, uh, the high stakes stuff can be pretty dicey. Unless you just like to move a lot, in which case you might be okay. Um, and I wanted to say thank you. I am the fiance. <laughs> Uh, because I was raised in a very irresponsible household. My mom was just never around. And since I started listening to you with him, like it brought me, I guess, to a better way to parent whenever we decide to have kids. Because I wasn't sure if I wanted to have kids just because of how I was raised. And I didn't want to be a bad parent to my kids. No, and you're exactly right. And I'm very, very thrilled that you listened. I'm very, very sorry for the childhood that you have. But again, there's great liberation in disaster. There's great liberation in disaster. I don't know if you've ever tried to uh, fix something. If you've ever tried to fix something and it just gets worse and worse and worse, and eventually you're just like, oh, forget it. I'm just starting over. And uh, so the, the worst thing in life is to get stuck in the half-fixed stuff. And if you... Trying to like, I don't know, you're trying to fix uh, a lawnmower, right? It just gets worse and worse and worse. And then eventually, you're like, you can't even start it. You, you can't even pull the ripcord. The blades won't turn. They fall off. The wheels fall off. The handle falls off. And you're like, okay, I guess this is God's sign for me to go and get a new lawnmower, right? Or whatever, a secondhand lawnmower or something like that, right? So with computers, too, like you either fix it or you format it, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, but getting stuck in this half world of like, oh, maybe it's working. Oh, it boots up. Oh, this time it crashed. Oh, I got another blue screen, but maybe I'll try tweaking your driver, or updating this, that, or the other. Um, you want things to work or not to work. And so if you got the kind of childhood where it's like, well, I don't know what I want exactly, except not that, and nothing close to that, nothing in the vicinity of that, nothing on the hemisphere of that. Well, you've got an opportunity for amazing levels of creativity. Whereas if you had maybe okay-ish parents, you'd be really tempted to follow that example and you wouldn't end up at the paradise nirvana oasis of peaceful parenting. So in a way, it's that bounce, right? And, and we, we feel the downward pressure from the bad childhoods, but if you get the right information, the bounce can be just amazing. I mean, I would not be 1% as good a parent if I did not have the childhood I had. And I'm so grateful. I don't want, I'm sorry, I'm grateful for having been abused, but I think I made the maximum possible good out of it. And I think you guys have as well. And I think that's uh, fantastic and, and good for you both. Yeah, and that's why we're, we've been listening to a lot more parental, I guess, psychology kind of stuff. Um, because just because like his parents were never really around. And if they were, they didn't pay attention for to him. And my mom was a single parent. And I basically had to raise my three sisters. So my mom was never around um she would leave at like five in the morning to go to work get back home at like 8 p.m and i would barely see her so i didn't have i guess a childhood up since i was like eight nine years old and then up until i was probably like 14 i started working just so i could help her out just so she could be in my sister's lives and whenever she would be like oh like i'm sorry like i was never there for you i would always tell her the, the only way that she could apologize to me was being there for my sisters. Hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, when people say sorry and then you say, here's something practical you can do to really make that apology sink in. And they're like, whoa, no, 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 no. It was just words, man. I just, just words. I just wanted to say stuff, not actually do stuff. So if they've actually got to the point where they're willing to make amends and, and that's fantastic, good for them and good for you. 
Yeah, the only thing now, like, that we're kind of struggling with is because whenever my sisters don't pay it, because my sisters respect me more than they, but they respect her, just because I was more around than she was, and whenever they do something and that they don't, that my family doesn't like, um, they hit them, and whenever I'm there, or they always call me, and they're like, oh, well, they hit me, and I always go, and I'm like, well, why are you hitting them? Like, there's more ways that you can talk to them than for them to actually pay attention to you and listen to you. Because hitting them is not going to solve anything. It's not going to solve that they're, the, whatever they're doing is bothering you and whatever you're doing is bothering them. Right, right. And what's your approach? What, do you, what, what approach are you taking at the moment to that? Um, I try and talk to my mom and get her to understand that they're going through a phase that they don't know what they want. So instead of being like, oh, this is what you want, ask them what they want and get involved in their lives and actually take care of them not just being there I guess providing shelter and food because that's not that's not what they I guess that's what they need but that's not all they need right yeah and when, when it comes to spreading virtue you there's two ways to do it right I guess there's three ways so the first way is you try to reason people into doing better and maybe one percent of people will listen if you're lucky and if you're good the second way is to lead by example, to live a better, happier, more positive life despite adversity or perhaps because of adversity, and then people get inspired by that. And the third is to let people experience the consequences of their own bad decisions until they get punished by idiocy blowback to the point where they're willing to change. And I don't know, it's like a 1% of people listen to reason, 10% of people will be inspired by a better example. Maybe 30% of people might change if things get bad enough and the rest of them are just driven by Thanatos and will ride whatever perceptions they have into the ground no matter what. So um, the reason thing we try to use a lot of because it's kind of depressing when we realize how few people are motivated by actual rationality. So we try and use that one a lot, really not to help others, but to avoid the depression from ourselves of realizing how often futile it is. And then we go to lead by example. And that's a downward drag around our own happiness because we're constantly turning to see if other people are noticing and catching up or noticing and interesting or noticing and becoming better themselves. That's pretty rough. And then eventually uh, we just live a better life. And if people are interested, fantastic. If not, they live a bad life and we live a good life. And uh, you can't have more empathy for people than they have for themselves. You just can't. I mean, you can pretend to. But if somebody doesn't care, it's like, you know, somebody's overweight, right? bad for them, bad for their joints, bad for their health, bad for their longevity, bad for their fertility, bad for their sexual market prospects, bad for everything, bad for their self-image, bad for their happiness, bad for everything. And you, but you can't care for somebody more than he cares for himself or she cares for herself. So you can say, yeah, I think you should lose weight and here's how I did it or here's how I maintain my weight. You can join me in exercising and so on. Just put the offer out there. If they grab at it, if, they, if they're like incredibly enthusiastic and grab at it, they maybe have a 5 or 10% chance of losing the weight and keeping it off. But, you know, as you know, only 2% of people lose weight and keep it off. The vast majority of people, if they try to lose weight, they just end up gaining more back. And that's for a whole variety of psychological and social and probably physical reasons, I assume. So just, you know, live a great life and be inspiring to others. But don't hang around too long waiting for people to catch up because all it does is slow you down and doesn't do much for them. And it gives them power over you. You know, there's a lot of people in this life, the only power that they really have is the power to say no to good people, the power to say no to better examples, the power to say no to a positive example. That's the only power they feel they have. And so many people exercise that uh, 
it's uh, it's really tragic. So yeah, I would say that's that's my approach. But congratulations, guys, I appreciate it, and um, I will look for my invite in the mail. Uh, all right, is there anybody else who wants to jump in before we uh, close down? Yes, sir, go ahead. Yeah, I'm Bill and Caitlin and uh, Callie are here, and our little new baby Evie's here as well. So we're having a good time, and it's Callie's first live stream and our second. Well, hello. Nice to meet you guys. Congratulations. Yeah, nice to meet you. Well, thank you. So we've been having this thing that just popped up a little bit again um, with my parents giving us <laughs> advice multiple times. Um, and there was a, ho a whole thing that happened last um, uh, year of going through counseling with my dad for about a year and trying to figure these things out. We came to terms where we're really not going to be able to have a conversation anymore. Um, but they still seem like they'd be good grandparents in a um, capacity for having a fun time with them. And so I was just trying to figure out to if that makes sense or not. One of the major issues between you and, say, your dad? Uh the major issues, um, I started counseling with him basically because I wanted to be able to have a better conversation with him than I had ever had. Uh, again, a deeper conversation. He was always like, let's talk about outboard motors and fixing like these material things. But in my childhood, it was, we, we had never talked about relationships or um, religion or, and I think it was really limited to work and making sure that I got my school done. Um, I do have to give him credit that he did get me out and got me some good teenage jobs and things, but I think that there was a lot lacking as well. And so um, last year I put a lot of effort in to being able to have these conversations because I was like, okay, maybe I'm just coming about this the wrong way. But um, with the amount of work I put in, I kind of figured out that it was never something that I'd be able to accomplish because if I was 12, I wasn't going to have the stamina to try to force these things out of him uh, then. So um, that's, that was really the main issues um, that came about it. And it was really 100% uh, rejection of being able to talk with him about these things. And it was like, have anyone help you but me? type of deal and it also became Sorry, very I don't understand that, have have anyone help you but me I'm not sure what that means um uh in some of the sessions it was like go have your friends talk with you go talk about this with the counselor go talk about this with um uh just someone else and it was like well dad we're sitting here with the counselor and you're the one who was there we were both there and it's about us I don't see why we can't talk about this now that, that kind of deal well did your father do you think he has the ability for deeper conversations but is scared or averse to them or maybe just doesn't have that capacity uh he's uh that's 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 kind of what i've come up with in some ways um but it's not like he's a stupid man um He's a very smart individual, but I, I do think that there are some uh, problems with him being able to 
accomplish um, a deeper conversation just because I don't think he's ever been exposed to those before. And well, from, hang on, hang on. No, come on. Does he have a cell phone? Oh, he has a cell phone, but I was, I was more. Okay. So he's fine with things he hasn't been exposed to before. Right. I mean, if people are willing to upgrade their cell phones, then saying, well, I just don't do well with new things. It's like, come on. I mean, it's not, not how it works. I'll go back. Like even with his friends, they're, um, I I find all his friends particularly shallow as well. Um, okay. But let me ask you this. So do you think that he has the capacity for a deeper conversation that he's just resistant to, or is there any evidence that he has this capacity at all? I, I haven't seen it. Um, okay, so is there another universe in which it's somehow there, even though you've never seen it? Like, do you think I just have really, really invisible hair? Uh, well, I, I would say that if if I've never seen his capacity to be able to have them, then he, he's, at least to me, it's not going to happen. So, um So I'm not sure. I'm not trying to dodge the question there. I'm sorry. So no, I mean, there's no empirical evidence that he has the capacity for these conversations, right? Right. Yeah. And with after trying for a year, it never happened. So well, no, trying for more than a year, I'm sure you broached these things when you were a kid too, at some point or another, right? uh, I I brought them up, and you could tell it was exceedingly something he didn't want to talk about, and it was a one-word answer. You're like, well, I won't talk about that again type of deal so okay um, so he doesn't like it now the you know we could theorize as to why maybe he's not very good at it maybe he uh, to me shallowness always indicates trauma like it's just scary to go there it's going to unsettle something and you know he, he's lived here's the thing like when you're dealing with your dad how old's your dad he's 65 okay so his life is largely done now i don't mean he's about yeah. to die i just mean that any effective choices about the majority of his life are deep in the rear view right what he's going to do for a living, he decided 40 years ago or more, right? Who he's going to marry, he decided 30 years ago. How he's going to raise his kids, he decided 25 years ago, whatever it is, right? So most of the major decisions in his life are in the past, but most of your major decisions are still in the future, right? Well, Absolutely. maybe not who you're going to marry, who you're going to have kids with, but, you know, how your life is going to go as a whole, it's wide open for, for in front of you, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. for you, for you having deep and meaningful conversations exploring how things could be is because you have a great capacity for choice and change. Your father at the age of 65, look, if I had screwed up my life, do you know how unbelievably painful that would be for me to, to, to at the age, cause I'll be 55 this year. Right? So if I had really messed things up, if I had, I don't know, married the wrong person, chose the wrong job, raised my kids badly, whatever it was, right? then any deeper wisdom or knowledge would be like the sword in my side. Oh, yeah. Right? So you're like, hey, cool, I can determine my future. And he's like, I already did that. And if it turns out I'm wrong, oof. Oof. Yeah. Right? So you guys are just very different phases of life. For you, wisdom is a value. For him, wisdom might be a bomb that goes off in his hand, right? Mm-hmm. What if he lived yeah, wrong? And the thing is, it's not like he's a bad person in any way. It's more just kind of a silence deal that was the major issue. But I guess that's that's where he did go wrong. So you mean um, he's uh, just doesn't like to talk? 
Oh, oh, he he is a talk, talk, talker about nothing <laughs> stuff. Just like what's been going on. What about sailboats? These things. But um. Oh God. Anyway. Does he talk a lot about yeah. nutrition? Oh, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> no, no. Um. <laughs> no, but yeah. So totally, so, yeah. it's almost like he he spreads. Not being present. <laughs> Right, because I, I if, if he's that. sorry to interrupt, if he's not present, if he's not present and he talks about things that make other people bored and dissociated, it's like his own absence is kind of spreading like spilt milk, if that makes sense. Oh, I he chooses people that um appreciate that personally, also like the light, yeah, also like light topics. Personally, for me, it's made me just a hugely utilitarian person because. I grew up with just doing lots and lots of just useless stuff all the time um, and activities versus like skill building for the most part. So, well, it's, you know, I don't want to put it too strongly, but it's pretty tough in life when your parents bore the living crap out of you. Yeah. Is, is that too harsh? I, I, I remember I was like the silent kid. <laughs> I was, I was known as the listener at the, the, at the, um, family gatherings just because it's like i don't know what to talk about here that's actually interesting i want to talk about jet turbine engines and pulse jets and things and and uh that wasn't what people are into so no no but see no this is the thing right so when you have a kid it's your job to be interested in what they're interested in like it's your job as a parent it's not an optional thing right like my daughter is into among us so i'll play my daughter is really into animation so i'll Watch how she does it, right? My, I just posted this the other day. My daughter is into melting chocolates and making wonderful scenes and forest scapes and animals. And, and so I made some bizarre Franken butterfly out of chocolate, right? It's your job. It's your job as a parent to figure out what your kids are interested in and, and learn about it. Because, because otherwise they're going to imagine that they're boring or, or that you're not interested or that they're it's uninspiring. Like you, 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 it's your job. You got to get interested in what your kids are in, into. And, yeah. you, you know, you may be surprised. You may find that, you know, among us is actually quite a bit of fun. Right. So, so I just wanted to sort of point that out that you say, oh, well, you know, the, the family wasn't that interested in, in what I had to say. But can you imagine that if your son or your daughter is interested in something and it's not your first topic or choice or list? That you'll just sit there and saying, "Oh no, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not interested. Don't show me. I don't care." Right? Yeah, I just remember this one thing where we were out in the drive building a boat out of plywood, and it would have been great to have a little bit of help there, but uh, it, it was just uh, not not too much help in any regards. So, but yeah, I, I'd say I saw a lot of that, but it was a lot of help where he was interested in things. So yeah, I agree that there wasn't a. Um, a fascination with what I or my brothers were interested in, for sure. So, right, and that's something I'm sure he regrets deep down. And in order to avoid that regret, he has to maintain what he did in the past. Right? That's how people yeah. they imagine that they're staving off regret if they simply repeat what they did in the past. And if you were to sit down with him and say, you know, it didn't really feel like it was a two-way street. Like, I mean, I felt that I was kind of trapped by stuff you found fascinating, which I was okay with. But, you know, it's nice to chat and all that. But it just never felt like you were that interested in what was going on for me. 
Okay. Uh, but then, then of course, you'll find out his own childhood and his dad. And, you know, you can see the patterns. And the useful thing about that is it ends, ends up with you taking it less personally, if that makes sense. But, um, yeah, it, it is, yeah, it is it, kind of the job, right? Yeah. The, his whole dad was an alcoholic and was going blind and had, to, uh, had major hearing problems and stuff. So it was um, so, some major things. And his dad was really checked out because of – self-medicating with alcohol to treat pain stuff so it's kind of similar there so have you talked to your dad about his experiences as a child and what went on for him uh we i i had previously i really not engaging right now um just because that's a kind of a thing that we came to terms with after um the the whole year of counseling just like okay um uh, I'm, he said he was going away from that exceedingly mad every single time. And me trying to, can you stop that? Can't I? Um, so, um, as soon as, uh, I was saying, Hey, I want to be able to talk about things. I want to get closer. He would always say something like, Oh, that makes me not want to talk with you anymore. I want to get further away. And I was like, okay, well, we're just, it's not going to be a thing that I'm, right. I'm able to so, I mean, do you want do you want your kids to have that experience with him? See, I I don't think that I I guess there's a difference between grandparents and um the and parents. I don't really want them to have the no knowledge childhood that I received, but I also think my dad had a lot of fun with me doing lots of um, external activities and getting out and seeing the world. So I think that there are positive things he has to offer. Um, and it's not just a, a, a negative streak there. So, and, and I don't see him being a, uh, like a spanking grandfather or anything, I think he'd be very gentle with them and would really, really enjoy getting out. Um, I think the kids would really have fun with him as well, getting out and doing the activities because he is very good with um, younger kids, but not so much being able to converse with them about life and what decisions that they're going to have to be making. Um, right. So that, that's kind of where I've gotten to, and I'm not sure if that's, the right way to think about it. Right. No, listen, I mean, if your dad is good with little kids, you know, little kids are not often talking a lot about religion or deep philosophical topics. And so if your dad is good with that kind of stuff, there may come a time where the kids are going to outgrow him. Maybe if they hit, they sort of get closer to puberty. And of course, maybe they'll inherit more of his preferences and perspectives than yours so i mean if you if your dad is good with little kids and they have fun with him and so on that seems like a pretty positive thing to me i mean he's not mean he's not going to put him down he's not abusive he doesn't hit him so i think that sounds like and you know if you can have grandparents in the kids relationships um it's a way also for you to get closer to your kids because they'll see your father and his influence on you and you'll have that in common with your kids. So it can actually help bring the relationship to your kids closer to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was definitely thinking about that um, in that way, especially since um, Caitlin, my wife, uh, she has uh, some, she has her, her mother 
is wheelchair bound from cerebral palsy and that makes it a bit hard for right. her to interact with them well and um we've also uh, cut contact with her father due to a number of reasons oh, i'm sorry about that well yeah listen if you're running out of grandparents and you have one that's fun and isn't going to harm your kids and it's going to give them uh, uh, an enjoyable time uh that sounds like something worth hanging on to and uh just recognize that I guess he has limitations, as we all do. Yeah. And, um, you know, my, my wife is better at teaching my daughter math than I am. We all have our limitations, and I guess this would be his. But it sounds like he could be a positive addition to your your kids' lives. And, and you know, it's really handy to have grandparents around because, you know, parenting is pretty all-consuming, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. All right. Well, listen, right. let me know how it goes. I really appreciate that. I'm going to close the show down, but I really appreciate everyone's time today. A great pleasure to chat. Uh, to the fellow you, with the unemployment issue who's not uh, around, uh, just give me a shout uh, next week. Uh, I'll be here, of course, same time. And uh, love you guys so much. Thank you again for the great and honorable privilege of being able to talk philosophy with you guys. And uh, freedomain.com forward slash donate. If you'd like to help the show out, I'd really appreciate it. Don't forget to go to freedomain.locals.com. You can sign up there as well. You get some premium shows and some quality stuff. You can also get it at unauthorized.tv. And uh, lots of love from here. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Don't forget to drop in the Friday show, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can listen in, um, I guess, uh, I'm not sure how I'll be doing it, but just go to, uh, just just follow me on the various social media platforms at freedomain.com forward slash connect, and we will take it from there. Thanks, guys. Have a great evening. Bye.